Has it been good to you? In the morning, I'll sing you are good. I, I've, I've had one stirring in me this morning since early. Because I know what I'm preaching. They didn't, but they've sung all over it this morning. But I, I've had an oldie and just burning down deep. On page 279 of that old redback hymn, there's a song titled, Oh, I Want to See Him. And the further we get along in this old world, the more, the more I want to see him. They, they, they just really sung in my heart today. I, I, it's Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Just, just, you can have this old world. Just give me Jesus. Amen. It goes something like this. Oh, as I journey through the land, oh, singing as I go, oh, pointing souls to Calvary, oh, to the crimson flow, oh, many arrows pierce my soul from without within. Listen, but my Lord, through him I must win. Now, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace. It's on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Oh, cares all. I'm home at last. Listen to this verse now. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to him. Oh, he will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul. Listen, but my Lord goes ahead and leads me where be tied. Now, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever, oh, of his saving grace. It's on the streets of glory. Let me live my voice. Cares all past. I'm home at last. Listen to this one. When in valleys low I look toward the mountains high and behold my Savior there, he's leading in the fight. Oh, with a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low, he's guiding me. I can see as I onward go. Now, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, it's there to sing forever of his saving grace. It's on the streets of glory. Lemme my voice. Oh, cares. Home. When before me billows rise from, then my Lord directs my bark and he does safely keep. Oh, and he leads me gently on. Oh, he. Friend to me, and oh, I love him so. Now, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace. It's on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Oh, cares off. I'm home at last ever to rejoice. How many of you want to see the Lord? I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready to see Jesus. Hallelujah. I know sometimes we, somebody says, what's barking got to do with it? What's barking got to do? What's, what's directing my bark got to do with anything? Well, that's your way. That's your path. That's the journey. Your embarkment. Folks don't talk like we used to talk anymore. 
We got a generation today. Well, what's barking got to do with anything? You just got to have a old, old preacher old enough to tell you what barking's got to do with it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, trust you do. Let's turn to Revelation chapter one. Revelation 1. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. If you're visiting with us today, uh, we act like this most all the time. And it's about to probably even get a little more strange. <laughs> Amen. I love the Lord. Try to love him the way he asks us to love him. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my being. I try to love him that way. I try to live and practice just like I preach to you. I, I, I try to live that before you and before the world and most of all before God. Amen? This could get exciting this morning. I've, I've been, this is just, whew, I'm literally shaking this morning with our subject matter today. Whew. Beginning at verse 9, Revelation chapter 1, the revelator penned these words. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I am where I am because I preached Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, Smyrna. Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice. He hadn't even turned around yet. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one, like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. As if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. <laughs> Just for a little bit this morning, with the Lord's help. What time is it? It don't, but it, it is. It's, it's 1128. 
So if I'm not done by 1228, somebody just wave. I'm going to preach on the thought, the glorious Christ. The glorious Christ. Our need for him, his provision for us, and anything else I can get in between. We're going to talk about the glorious Christ. Amen? Father, I love you. <laughs> and I thank you for the glorious Christ. I thank you for what I feel stirring in my soul this very moment as I stand before your people. Lord, behind this sacred desk in this holy sanctuary, I thank you for the anointing that I feel stirring, the unction that I feel urging me forward today. And I ask God that you would help us that we might hear and that we might know and that we might understand your love for us. And Lord, that we may leave this place strengthened by your grace, Lord, and empowered by your word. And may the richness of your Holy Spirit dwell within us, overflow us, that we may be a light into this dark world. To you be praised forever in Christ's name, the church said. Amen. Ask your neighbor, are you in pursuit of the glorious Christ? As believers, as Christians, I don't know about you and your faith, but from time to time I need a little reassurance in my faith. When I begin to look at the world that we're living in, I need more assurance daily. Amen? Last week we had a little bit of a rebuke for us in our entrance into the house of the Lord and how we come into the sanctuary of the Lord and preparing ourselves and what the sanctuary of the Lord is and who we come to meet. And it's not about us, but it's about him and our reverence for him and for the holy place of God. Amen? And uh, it's never been more, I've been never made more aware than this week in reading and seeing some things that, uh, that have popped up in our culture to let us know that we need that holy place more now than we've ever needed it before in our lives. Humanity needs a holy place where the sanctity of the presence of God can be experienced more than in any other day. I, it must have really, really, really been bad when fire fell from heaven and consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. Because just this week with my own two eyes, I, I, I saw a, a video of a, of a transgender person who was desiring to have a complete uh, uterus uh, transplant uh, I'm talking about a, a, a would-be man, I guess you might want to call it, wanting to have a uterus transplant so that, that they might be able to conceive, not so that it could bring uh, a life into the world, but this was the own this, this, this person's own confession so that I might be the first transgender to have an abortion. My God, that made me so mad I couldn't hardly see straight. <laughs> well, you're supposed to be angry and sin not. I didn't sin. I didn't try to find them. Hello? I didn't sin, but I did pray for them. I, it lets me know the depravity and the separation of our society and how deeply this world is getting. So I see the, the transgression of the world and, and sinners sin. We know that, and that's the reason we need to be in pursuit of a glorious Christ even more because men's hearts and humanity's hearts are being driven so far away from the knowledge of a saving grace or the acknowledgement that there is a just God 
God who will one day pronounce judgment. I don't want to see God's wrath, God's judgment poured out on any of his creation. And no no well-meaning, blood-bought, born-again believer would should stand in front of you and say that they pray for the wrath of God down on lost humanity. That's not the heart that we've been given. But it aches me, it infuriated me to know that the devil has got such a grip on humanity that man's minds are going to such low depths in culture and society. Well, I finally just about halfway got over that and then later on this week I saw something else that just really infuriated me over the Super Bowl weekend. I saw an article about a mega church which runs on multiple campuses 34,000 people a weekend. Are you hearing me? 34,000 people a weekend on multiple campuses on their Super Bowl Sunday in their, I don't know what you try to call it, but it was supposed to have been a service. But during that service, ministers, pastors, so-called God men and women called, they had a Bible and that they set it up like a football on a tee and kicked it into the crowd. Not once, but they did that twice. I later learned that it was still, it was a, it wasn't a real Bible. It was made up to look like a Bible. You just as well kick the real thing if you would even play like or even make believe that you're doing something so low and sacrilegious. We've just been singing about Jesus this morning. I've just read to you the revelation of John about Jesus and his word just happens to be so precious to me and, and, and I've talked about it. We, we, we don't even, how many of you won't even put another book on top of it at home? You won't put anything. You're not going to degrade or de disgrace the word of God but how far have we gotten that the church is even playing like it's booting a Bible into the crowd. I, you see now here come up my righteous indignation again because I love the word of God and it's nothing to play with. It's nothing to play like and the sacrilegious act of doing something infuriated me all over again. So you see missing the mark is just not in the world. It's in the church today. What we call, I don't call that a church. Any, <laughs> mm, any person calling themselves called of God that would even stoop as low to even play like they're doing that, I question your call. I question your love for Jesus, and it didn't affect your soul like it affects mine. I don't care what kind of point they were trying to make. I don't even know if they made it. I didn't even read that far. It bothered me so bad. I'm here to tell us today, we need to be in pursuit of the glorious Christ. You say, well, how do things get that far? It comes from the podium. It comes from the platform. When we begin to lighten up on the standard, just in case you're wondering why I nipped it in the bud last week, is because we cannot afford to compromise the sanctity of the sanctuary of the Lord God Almighty because it just takes one little step and the next thing you know, they're doing something that disgraceful. So what is it? Just keep the standard strong. Keep the standard 
mature and be in pursuit of the glorious Christ. Keep that which is holy, holy. Keep the sanctuary full of sanctity and keep it sanctified. Why? Because we need the glorious presence of Jesus Christ among us because a lost and dying world is in desperate need of saving So as believers, I need some reassurance from time. I needed some this week. Some reassurance of our faith and that we're standing for the truth and living out the truth as the word of God, not a football. But the word of God empowers our life for daily living. That assurance that we receive as believers comes from varying sources. The source of prayer. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Breakthrough by prayer. Prayer is a part of the resource that we have. Worship is another resource that we have. Worship is not a 35-minute appointed scheduled event for a service. It is an act of the heart of the believer. It's where we come in in full recognition that we are glorifying Jesus Christ, that we are lifting up and edifying the Father of all, amen, he who is above all, and that the power of the Holy Ghost has preeminence in our lives, and that we realize that it is God in whom we worship. And so when we come out of what we've come out of through the week, and we enter into a sanctuary that is consecrated holy, that we can enter into the security and the sanctity and the sanctuary where we abide within his presence and we worship him the resource of prayer and worship the resource of testimony we overcome the enemy we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony has anybody been tested this week then you got a money to go with it if you're here hallelujah you've made it You've made it in again to the sanctuary of the Lord where that you have now been enabled to worship him. And I hope you brought him the best gift that you could this morning. I hope you brought him a whole and pure heart poured out before him. I hope you don't leave anything behind. I hope you don't take anything home with you that is resemblance of praise or worship, but that every time you enter in, you give him your all. Ah. Prayer, worship, testimony. But the most assuring thing we have is the scripture. You, you see, you see why I've been so bothered this week. The scripture. Our hope rests in Christ and Christ alone. He who was in the beginning, who was the word. Scripture revealed to us in many different types, figures, and shadows the significance of who Christ is. The Old Testament points to him wherein the New Testament reveals him to us. The Old Testament points to the seed that will bruise the head of the enemy. Come on. The Old Testament points to the doorway of the tabernacle. The Old Testament points to the shepherd. The Old Testament points to the fountain, the well of salvation. 
The Old Testament points toward the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God who is the Prince of Peace whom the government rests upon his shoulders. That's who it points to. The Old Testament points to the lily of the valley. The Old Testament points to the rose of Sharon. Hallelujah. The Old Testament points to the morning dove of the Song of Solomon. Can I get a witness in a house today? The Old Testament points toward the Ancient of Days. The Old Testament points to he who is risen with healing in his wings. It is a type and shadow, and we see every semblance of him. But we see that semblance come to revelation in the New Testament. As the New Testament begins to reveal him as that son that was promised, that was born of the virgin in the manger of Bethlehem. It points and reveals to us Emmanuel, who is God with us. It reveals the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. It reveals to us the door. Amen. He reveals to us the way, the truth, and the life. The New Testament reveals to us, amen, the bread of life, the water of life, that great and good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the living water, the word, the light, and the true vine. We see him revealed through Scripture. So why do we think we can even play like we're kicking it into the crowd? Trying to get off that little hobby horse. Y'all have to pray for me. The Scripture, the Word of God, personified in the flesh through Jesus Christ, the Son of a living God. He who was and he is, as we've read in our text this morning, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end thereof, and the fulfillment of every point in between. And of all the descriptions that we have of Christ and all the types and shadows and all the revelations, none are more powerful, none are more revealing than the one that John gives us from Patmos himself here in this first chapter of the book of Revelation. He gives us no less than ten descriptives of Jesus throughout this little pericope of Scripture that I've read to you. And what this Scripture reveals to us is the dignity and the deity and the distinction of who Christ is. And John's description speaks further of the Lord's prominence, of the Lord's prowess, of the Lord's purpose, and of the Lord's power. John is giving you an insight to the Son of the living God. John is giving you and I an insight into the resurrected Lord the predominance I'm here to just bring our attention again today to the reality of the Christ who was crucified but has rose again I know we're five weeks out from Easter and you may hear this again on Easter Sunday I don't know because the glorious Christ is stirring in my soul because of the darkness of the world in which we are living and man's heart given over to sin and the willingness to accept every and any manner of sin, oh, it just causes my heart to ache because I know what he delivered me from. I know what he saved me from. I know the sins that he washed pure from my life. Can I get a witness in here? Are there any reformed sinners in the house today? Somebody stand up and give him glory. You know without the precious blood, you would probably be burning in a devil's hell today. But because of the blood and the sacrifice of this glorious Christ, 
Christ. You're here redeemed, 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 redeemed. And can I tell you again, oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. I want to be there to sing forever of his amazing saving grace. Hallelujah. John begins to tell us what he saw the day that he was in the spirit. Can you imagine of those of us who are baptized in the Holy Ghost would get in the spirit on the Sabbath day and come in on the first day? Huh? What if we were like John in the spirit when we got here? They didn't have to try to sing you up. Hello? Didn't have to try to sing you in. Because some Sunday mornings, I don't know that I'd keep singing if I was them. Because sometimes you look like you twice dead and plucked up by the root. And I'm down here thinking, it's as quiet as a church house mouse sometimes. I'm thinking, are, 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 are they hearing what I'm hearing? Or are, are we lifting up to he who sits on the throne? Uh, and, and sometimes I just about soon go ahead and preach you up so you can at least praise your way out. What are you saying? I think we need to do just a hair bit better because when we come in to assemble, let your mind be raptured to the thought it's about the glorious Christ and it's not about me. Hallelujah. It's about the glorious Christ. And Lord, could we sing with honest hearts, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. That's all I want. You can have the world, but just give me Jesus. When that's all you're concentrated on when that's all you're focused on uh, they could sing the phone book to you and you would shout because you're going to get Jesus in the alphabet of A because he's the affirmation of your faith uh, you can sing when they hit B because he's the builder of your hope uh, hallelujah you could shout and run an aisle uh, when they got to the alphabet C because he's the caregiver of your righteous soul uh, my God uh, when you get to D you could glorify because he's the doer of the work uh, hallelujah when you get to E, you can sing it because he's the excellent. Oh, my God, this morning. We've been fasting 10 days, and I can feel it. Hello. I almost got caught up in the spirit and said, let's go 10 more. But I got a hold of me. I said, whoa, don't let that out. Whoo. Uh, I think that was the flesh, as Brother Ron called it. I about got out of the anointing right there. Uh, it wouldn't matter what's sung. We're going to glorify him in it. Well, what do you get in Z? The zestation of my soul. <laughs> what do you get with X then? How do you get something with that? He's the Xerox of my faith. Come on. <laughs> when you get in the Lord's spirit on any day of the week and you make yourself to a corporate gathering of worship things begin to elevate don't they because surely 
if I can just get one or two more with me. He said, there will I be in the midst of them. So really all I'm looking for is about two more on Sunday because I've done made up my mind. I'm coming in having been in his presence. That's the reason I get so excited. That's the reason the word burns with a passion in me. Amen. That's the reason I want us to toe the line so that the glory of the Lord, the glorious Christ can visit and be among us. He is the resurrected Christ. In the 13th verse, John begins to describe him, one likened to the Son of Man. Understand now, John is seeing him in his human form, but yet glorified. Jesus suddenly inside the upper chamber. Remember, after his crucifixion, he's risen again. They're hiding in the upper chamber for fear of their life. And then all of a sudden, Jesus walks in without opening the door. My God, I'm here to tell you he can get into your situation whether there's any access or not. He doesn't need access. He is the access. Hallelujah. He can make his way right to where you are. He talked with the two men on the Emmaus Road with a heavy heart and a heavy mind, but yet he encouraged them. He appeared by the Galilean Sea when the, fish, the men were out fishing the disciples on the boat. And when he said, come and dine, when they turned to look, he had bread and fish upon the fire. I'm talking about the glorious Christ this morning. <laughs> He wasn't fully revealed in all his glory because they would be unable to contain it. you got to remember that John was somewhat familiar with the glorious Christ in a portion of his glory. Well, how so? Well, you need to go read Matthew 17 because with John on the side of the mountain is Peter and James. And Jesus is there with them. And he is transfigured right before their very eyes. And if you go read that 17th chapter, Matthew records those words and the testimony of Peter, James, and John. It's like this. They said his face was as bright and shining as the sun and his clothes were as bright as the light. So John had a good idea. This voice that was behind him when he turned to see him. Yes, I'm familiar with you. Why? Because I've been in your glorified presence before. My God, don't make me stop and preach right there. How Hallelujah. <laughs> I recognize him when he shows up because I've been in his presence before. I recognize him when the anointing begins to flow because it's flowed over me before. Hallelujah. When I swim in the depths of his grace, it's because I've been in the depths of his grace before. John had a good idea. This is the same face that glistened as the morning sunrise. It's the same garment that was as bright as the light. Oh, not able to behold. They failed before him there and John only had one response here on Patmos and that was to fall as he was dead hallelujah Mary recognized him in the garden as the disciples enjoyed him in that upper room there's a day coming when you and I will recognize the ascended Savior hallelujah there's a day coming when we too shall behold him isn't that what John would write in that first little letter, 3 and 2? Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that. Can I get a witness? Does somebody know that? Does somebody know that when we see him, we shall be like him? 
for when he appears, hallelujah, we shall see him as he is. Does anybody know that? Does anybody have a hope in that? Because you've been in the glorious presence of the Lord. But beloved, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what we're going to look like. I don't know what we're going to sound like. But one thing I do know, that when I see him, I'm going to be like him. For I shall see him as he is when he appears. Hallelujah. And this old mortal, hallelujah, is going to take on immortality. The corruptibility of this flesh is going to take on incorruptibility because we're going to be transformed into his likeness and take hold of that glorious image for ourselves. And in this world of darkness, there needs to be some light to shine. Hallelujah. We're going to recognize him. Fanny Crosby in one of her songs put this down. She said, I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. Hallelujah. Hey, one of these days when I stand beside him, I'm not going to be looking for a nail print. I'm going to be looking for this revelation that John has seen now for the second time. I'm going to be looking for his face that shines as bright as the rising eastern sun. I'm going to be looking for the splendor of a robe that is lighting up and illuminating the world. Hallelujah. Why? Because when I see him, I shall be like him, and I shall see him. <laughs> Woo! When we finally get to see him, our transformation will take place so that our eyes may behold him. Well, my God, hallelujah. Whoo. Man, we've done all that in six minutes. Not hardly. Death could not keep him. The grave had not the authority nor the power to remain him bound. He proved that. At Lazarus' place. Come forth. Death had no grip over his voice, let alone his person. <laughs> couldn't hold him. Couldn't deny him. Matthew 28 and 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. My Lord, that's what I want to do sometimes. Behold, I've told you. <laughs> Listen. Listen, hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You will, well, I'm about to get ahead of myself. I started to tell you one day you'll stand before just Christ. You'll stand before the glorious one. The Lord is risen indeed. And the message was he's appeared unto Simon. Luke 24, he's the resurrected Christ. Can you believe there's 10 of these and we've only touched one? Somebody said, oh, no. Are you going to do all 10? I don't know. He is the reigning Christ. He's the reigning, the resurrected reigning Christ. 
Remember, Christ is not his last name. It's his identifier. It identifies Jesus as the anointed one, the Messiah, the one hoped for, the one expected, the one who came, the Christ. Revelation 1 and 13 reveals to us that Jesus was clothed in this garment that flowed plumb to the ground. And as John would say, it's, it's bright as the light. This glorious ground gives us this description indicating that it could be a kingly robe or the robe of a judge. After all, he is the king of kings and he is the judge of all judges. Amen. It declares to us that he's already come as savior and he will come as king and judge. He will return as sovereign. He will be coming back as that righteous judge where the unrepentant will stand and give an account. Well, how say you that, preacher? Because the word of God declares from the beginning that it is appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. And what you'll do is stand before the judge and receive your sentence. Well, what is the sentence? It's either depart from me, thou worker of iniquity, I have never known you or it's going to be come right on let me give you the waters parallel it's going to be just come right on in supper's on the table and your seat has your name by it just come right on in come on in and the declaration will be well done thy good and faithful servant you've been just and full over a few things and I'm going to cause you to become a ruler over many come on in my faithful servant come on in Revelation portrays Jesus as no other, no other book of the Bible. With all of the pointing and the road signs of the Old Testament and all of the images that we see him fulfill in the new, none declare him like John in his revelation. You do remember it, there's no S on it. It's a revelation, not revelations. It's not plural, it was one. And the one revelation is that we may see the glorious Christ. The declaration of the glorious Christ. Write it and let everybody read it. Don't take anything away from it. Don't add anything to it. Read it. He is the righteous Christ. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, John said. You white heads. Mine's getting there. Frost is coming on up. Some of you bald-headed folk ain't going to know the privilege of turning gray. There's a privilege to it because you know that you've earned Every single one. For us today, it's a depiction of wisdom. Right? If you want to know something, go, go ask somebody who's got silver hair. Talk to them. Surely they've seen it or known it and can advise us. He is the wisdom of all ages. That white hair depicts purity. Purity. Holiness, 
A relationship with Christ, this glorious Christ, produces a cleansing and a purity in our life that aligns us with himself and hides us in his righteousness. Isaiah 1.18 declares it this way, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, pure because of his sacrifice. Wise because he's knowing. He's the revealing Christ in verse 14. We see his eyes like as a flame of fire. His discerning vision will examine every single one of us. At the resurrection of the dead where the righteous are called forth, we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll be judged according to our works. Paul makes it plain. Some of it's going to come out like wood, hay, and stubble. What's that mean? It's going up in smoke. Because some of the things that are done for his namesake are done through vain glory. Look at me. Right? You know those people. Because they're always telling you what they've done. It's going to be tried by fire. I've thought about that quite a bit. I don't think there'll be a furnace there that we have to walk through. I think we'll be gazing into the furnace as he stands before us. And those eyes that are like fire merely have to gaze upon us. Huh? Before x-ray vision was, there was the eye of Christ. All he merely has to do is gaze upon us and he will judge the reason for everything we have done. Everything. So that's just the righteous dead that are raised. John would further later in the book talk about a second resurrection of the unrighteous who will parade themselves by what is known as the great white throne judgment. And before a just and holy God will be judged for the rejection, not for their sin, but for the rejection of his Christ. The rejection of is Christ the righteous Christ the revealing Christ there is no creature according to Hebrews 4 and 13 hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account there are people in this world who think they have no accountability to no one or no thing, but they will give an account to God. So if you enjoy placating in your life and dabbling in sin, hear this old-time gospel preacher this morning. I'm presenting to you a way out. That being the glorious Christ who is the redeemer of lost humanity.
For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm so glad. I am so glad that there's not just an escape from but there's a deliverance from. It's not, it's not like Monopoly and you, you pass jail and collect 200 bucks. It's redemption. And 200 holds no comparison to the reward of the redeemed. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> no comparison to the reward of the redeemed. He's the regal Christ. Regal meaning relating to suitable for a king, notable excellence or magnificence. That's him. John describes his voice in verse 15 as the sound of many waters. The psalmist in 29, 3 and 4 says, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The regal Christ. You remember the disciples when he spoke to the winds and the waves, they said, uh, we've never seen it like this. Never has a man spoke like this. It's because they weren't just looking at a man. Amen? They were looking at Christ, the creator of the wind, the creator of the wave, the creator of the water, the trees from which their boat was built. And his declaration was, peace, be still. I don't think he raised his voice. I don't think he had to holler, hello. He didn't yell, peace, be still. He is the revenging Christ as well. Stand with me. I'm going to try to quit. Because you've had about all you can take this morning. The revenging Christ. In verse 16, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. For all of you who have been wronged or feel like you're wronged now, you do not have to vindicate yourself. Don't feel as though you have to wreak vengeance on others around you. Because the revenging Christ will do so for you. You serve him, you humble yourself before him. You forgive those who've despitefully used you. Release them, whereby you release yourself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. sword, his holy word, he's not only coming back to receive us and to receive his own, but he will also take vengeance upon the enemy. Revelation 2 16, we hear these words as John pens, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In 1915, John says, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. 
Now out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He's the revenging Christ. Makes way for the glorious return. His countenance like the sun shining. Paul saw that face and was stricken blind. The light of heaven is Christ. John said that city that he saw coming down will need no light. For Jesus will be there. divine interruption this morning. Before I go any further, for those of you who may just be totally unaware or unfamiliar with what has just happened, you can read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and you'll find the gifts of the Spirit. What has happened here this morning is a message and an interpretation. The Spirit of God is spoken. And by virtue of that, the glorious Christ is our reassuring Christ. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though I were dead. But he laid his right hand upon me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. 
now and forevermore. What you've heard is an invitation from the Spirit of God Himself as the Holy Spirit is broken in, spoken through yielded humanity to give you a warning and an invitation. Don't reject Him. Don't refuse the Christ. Don't refuse the invitation to know this glorious Christ in free pardon of sin, which only comes through Him and from Him. That Lamb of God. John sees Him in this vision of revelation as he stands before with his vesture as though it were dipped in blood as a redemption of humanity, the redeeming, the saving. So with heads bowed all over this house this morning, with urgency and great importance, If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come to this altar and let me lead you to Him through repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's no heaven without repentance. There's no streets of gold without repentance. There's no mansion without repentance. There's no robe without repentance. No crown of life without repentance. I can feel the convicting power of the Holy Ghost in here this morning. It's not about playing church. I've heard of people talk about going to church all their lives and up later in their years realize that they had never repented and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Went through all the deeds, went through all the church functions, done everything but had never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You must repent. wages of sin or death but there's life and righteousness and hope in Jesus Christ saints of God you ought to be praying come on come on pray saints pray pray this morning anybody else you're fine just stand right there young man you stand right there there's no right way, no wrong way. Getting on that altar is the best place to be. If you're here this morning, sins in your life, would you come and join us? Let's repent. 
If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you come this morning? Come and know this glorious Christ through the wonder of salvation. Come on. Come on. It's not about religion. It's not about individuals. It's about Christ. It's about yielding our heart, confessing our sins, and accepting his sacrifice for it. That's what it's about. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're welcome, son. Hang in there. Hallelujah. Father, I love you today. I love you today, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else?